Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and welcome back to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. It's been a pretty interesting week. Uh, there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Might be able to go to a LA Kings game soon, so that's pretty cool. A book just got sent off to the printer uh, yesterday, so those are going to be ready and available on October 25th. So go to ditchdiac.com and make sure you grab yourself a copy. And um, some crazy stuff in my personal life has happened, which is probably maybe going to cause some traumas in life. But hey, we'll talk about that some other time. Anyways, today we have a guest on the line with us today. His name's Matty Owens. He goes by Triforce. Uh, he's a trader, and what he specializes in really is quant trading. And if you're not really familiar with quant trading, what that is, it's... Taking statistical algorithms and, and it's really combining it back into the stock market so then you can continually earn yourself uh, hefty uh, returns. Now, if you're wondering why we're talking about things within finance today on the show about influence, one of the most important factors that you really need to go out there and really build influence is have the resources to do it. Sure, it might be possible to go out there and build everything on your own, but if you really want a professional to help you, sure, I have courses available under a few grand, but um, when you have an agency-type service and uh, where people are doing everything for you, that costs about $10,000 a month. And when you're paying about $10,000 a month, um, that has to kind of come from somewhere, right? So that's why we have Maddie on the line with us today because he's going to really teach you how to go out there and really make money on in the market so you could use that to really go and build your influence. Because when you use that money as a tool to go out there and fund your ventures, it really helps you propel yourself into success. So, Manny, um, you kind of discovered the stock market back in when you were 13, 14, somewhere around there? That's correct. Can you kind of tell me what drew you to it? Yeah, so it was by pretty much just mere chance. Uh, this was like middle school uh, time for me, and I had a mathematics teacher who was extremely difficult because I was taking um, what they called honor classes back then, which is the equivalent of an AP class uh, in high school. And uh, my teacher said, listen, if you do this stock market thing and you win, you won't have to take my final exam. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. You are ridiculously hard. I didn't say that to him, but in my head, that's what I was thinking. And so what I did was is I basically entered the competition, which was just amongst the our classmates. Uh, we were given a portfolio of about a million dollars of fake money. And um, I threw all of my money into Apple because at the time, Steve Jobs was like coming back into Apple. And I loved Apple products even back then. So I just threw all my money in there and the stock doubled and I ended up winning. And I said, wow. I literally did nothing and I made money. And if I can somehow make that a thing in my life, uh, that's what I want to do. So that's how I kind of got my first uh, taste of, of trading or what the stock market even was. So basically, uh, you got a million dollars in play money and then put it in the market and then you had $2 million in play money. Yes. Wow, you'd be rich in the Monopoly world. (laughs) (laughs) So so that was kind of your first entry into the market. And um, now you're trading and you're making money and everything like that. So um, you went from playing with money. And when you were playing with that, did that teach you everything that you needed to know about the market? Or did you have to like study harder and like read Uh, stuff and things like that? Yeah, so I so once I mean it was kind of like I would imagine what people on drugs get addicted to. There is like an addiction quality to it, and so like after I won, 
it was more like, wow, how can I make this a thing? And I was like addicted to it. So I um, went down a usual path of like listening to CNBC, listening and reading, you know, normal stock market books. Uh, back then, computers were just becoming a thing. Um, we still had a library. And at the time, um, you know, I would have to go to the library to study about the market. And um, they were getting rid of a lot of books and moving in computers. Well, what happened was, is like I was sitting there for like a year after studying. And I'm like, how does anyone make money in the market because for me my experience was everyone was basically guessing so if I listened to CNBC or I listened to this or I listened to that uh, it was just like nonsense they would say one thing one day and the next day they would say something else which is a total contradiction from the previous day and I was like but I know that there's people out there that make money how do they do this so one day when I was at the library doing research on fundamental analysis and companies I uh there was a bunch of books that they were throwing out and this was to replace those books where those books were with computers essentially. And I was digging through the pile cause they're just going to throw them away. And I said, I wonder if there's any stock books in here. So I'm digging through it, digging through it. And I find this book called don't sell stocks on Monday and what this guy was doing. So I'm probably like 16 now at the time, 15, 16 years old. And what this guy was doing was basically tracking the S and P uh, and saying that if you buy before Thanksgiving, like four days before Thanksgiving, and then you get out after Thanksgiving, here are the statistical probabilities of it working. And I said, aha, that's how people are making money. They're using statistics like gambling. You know, you can go to gamble to uh, have fun or you can go to win. And so here's a person that was tracking this and it blew my mind that nothing in the mainstream media was talking about using odds and probability to make a judgment in the market. And so uh, a couple years went by after that, and I was continually like, you know, learning some statistics, learning about the market, learning how I could apply those things. And I was just getting bogged down. There was a lot of information. And then when I went to college, I was talking to my uh, best friend and he was telling me he was becoming a computer programmer and he was telling me all the things that you could do with it. And I said, aha, this is something I could actually apply to the market. So I began uh, teaching myself Python programming at night. Uh, in college, I had a severe bout of insomnia. So I used to go to school all day, hang out with my friends. And then at night from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m., I'd work at this like desk, letting people in and out of the building uh, that were supposed to be there. And I taught myself uh, programming and also did homework and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's how I kind of evolved my knowledge base through reading, testing, analyzing, you know, going through like this long process and then eventually leading it to me to learn how to code uh, programs to be able to do this process much more quickly. Cool. So you've kind of spent maybe over half of your life either studying or um, acting within the stock market. Yeah. So I would, yeah. I mean, I really want, I never had any like aspirations. I'm not really a big goal setter. I just do things that I like. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, is there a way to not beat the market, but you know, trade the market successfully using probabilities. And I spent pretty much from the time I was like 15 to the time I was like 24 studying. And then uh, when I was about 24 years old, uh, my mom passed away from cancer and she left me like a little bit of money. And I started using that money to trade the strategies I had come up with during that time. And uh, I've been trading real money for about four, maybe five years now, uh, using these systems that I've created uh, way back when. I'm sorry to hear about your mother passing, but I mean, when you mentioned that you like to do things, or you do things that you like to do, I, I mean, I, I wish I liked the stock market. I, I like things like eating ice cream and <laughs> <laughs> burgers. So, I mean, that's what I kind of spend the majority of my time on. But I mean, 
Um, so, so you kind of went into the market, and um, your mom kind of gave you the ability to really move into that. And I believe that was through her life insurance settlement, correct? That's correct. Um, what What was that experience like, actually using real money in the market? Yeah, so it was a little bit nerve-wracking at first because it's nice to do something and practice something in theory. But then actually doing it and having real world consequences in the sense like you're connected to it, that was scary. Plus, for me, I had attached like an emotional quality to the money I had because I felt like it was a gift that my mom had left me. And me losing even a little bit of that would send me kind of into an emotional spiral. And um, so my first like couple months trading, I lost I think like $30,000 which at least back then I had enough forethought to take half of my life insurance money that I got from my mom put half of it away and half of it to trade with so that way I had something to live off of as well as something I could uh, trade with so I ended up like losing like $30,000 which was like 30% of what I was going to trade with and then um, you know I just eventually traded out of the hole. And the reason was, is because, you know, I had a systematic approach to the market. Um, It was just so happened that when I started actually trading, all of my systems were basically in a drawdown. And uh, I just kind of stuck, you know, stuck with. What do you mean by drawdown? What's that? Drawdown meaning um, money you're losing. So. Oh. So like when you're, if you make $50,000, but two months later you lose $20,000, you would be considered you're, you're in a drawdown basically Hmm. from your net equity peak. For me, I started with a hundred thousand dollars and I immediately lost $30,000 in like three months. And then my system slowly started, you know, the systems I was trading, you know, pushed themselves out of that equity drawdown. It's it's one of those things where if you design something, you make something, and you test something, and it, historically it looks well, and then when you go into the real world, it's possible that when you start, you could end up on the bad side where you're in a drawdown. Every system, everything goes through drawdowns, even human nature, right? Like, we all go through ups and downs. Same thing, anything you design or create, you're always going to have, you know, peaks and valleys. And so for me, it just was unfortunate I started at a place where you know, I got hit pretty hard and, um, you know, but it eventually worked itself out. So, so how, how, how did it kind of work itself out? Yeah, because everything I do is automated. So I design, test, validate and automate strategies to trade for me using code basically. So when you first started trading, you started using code immediately? Yeah, because I had that's what I had been doing all those previous years before. I spent basically like a decade research and developing and learning mm-hmm. before I ever placed my very first like trade in the stock market. Okay, so you basically spent about 10 years perfecting like this algorithm that would go out there and trade on your behalf. And then once you had the 100 grand, you put it into the market, you tested the algorithm and went through a down phase in the beginning, but then it began to correct itself. And then things just kind of went smoothly from there. That's correct. Okay, so um, when, when you kind of went out there and... Did, did you think this would kind of happen when uh, you built your algorithm? Or did you get scared when you lost about 30% of your money or what ended up? Yeah. I mean, I always knew that was a possibility. I just thought it was extremely shitty that it happened like right off the bat. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, the, the thing for me though, too, was, is like, it was also learning to deal or separating myself from like, you know, this is money instead of looking at it as like, this is like money that was left by my mom like that. I, during that drawdown period, I struggled a lot thinking like, oh, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe my systems are messed up. And it wasn't really like sinking in that I needed to step back, you know, and just see the big picture. And I mean, uh, sometimes I'd be like depressed about it. Sometimes I would 
not want to like trade at all when a new signal was given, even though it would automatically do it. I felt sick to my stomach. But, you know, once I got past that kind of emotional um, phase of like, you know, it's money is money. Like I shouldn't attach an emotionality to it, I guess. Uh, I began to be able to separate myself a little bit and just let my systems do what they needed to do. Um, awesome. So, so right now you have systems on autopilot. They're kind of doing all the work for you. How much money do you think that's pulling in a year for you? Uh, at least six figures. Wow. So you're basically getting six figures to hang out and do nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I guess you could, you could say it that way. Yeah. So basically anyone who's tuning in today, um, some of the philosophies and things that we're going to cover, they can potentially go out there and make around six figures by doing nothing too after they kind of have this set up. Yeah, but the thing is, is that, I mean, it's still, it's an arms race. Like you still have to be studying and creating new algo systems and monitoring stuff. It's not like you can just walk away, set it and forget it. I think people are under that kind of wrong assumption. You still need to know what you're doing and what you're looking at. But I mean, yes, you can make an extra income, of course, trading. But for a lot of people, it's difficult. We have what's called a 90-90-90 rule, which is 90% of traders lose 90% of their money in 90 days. And that just becomes down to the fact that most people just gamble. But yes, you can make a living off of trading. And for me, like I'm not even the best trader. I know people that are way better than I am, and they make way more money than I do. So, but I'm content, I guess. Cool. Well, we're about uh, to hop off to a commercial break. If people want to find you online, Maddie, where do they find you? Uh, TriforceTrader.com. Perfect. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim, and we'll be back after this commercial break. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Maddie and I have been talking about... um, Basically, Matt's, Matty's personal journey over into quant trading, how he studied algorithms and really narrowed things down with all his statistics and everything for about a decade before actually going out there and officially making his first trade. And how he set up an algorithmic system that's pulling in pretty close to six figures a year uh, with minor oversight, which is kind of awesome. And uh, what we're going to be doing is... Um, 
asking Maddie some questions about uh, what uh, people like you can do to really go out there and learn how to build up these quant systems. So now, I guess when we kind of look at the market, like um, people say that there's trends in the market. Stocks go up, stocks go down, and certain things kind of happen to make this uh uh, make this process happen. Um, is is it is it mainly just a numbers game, or is there kind of more to it? Okay, as well. In my, I mean, this is a difficult question because when you say something like this, half of the world believes one thing and half the world believes the other thing. So for me, I would say that ninety nine percent of everything that you hear about what you hear on CNBC, mainstream media, I don't know, Wall Street Journal, all these things, it's nonsense and bullshit, okay? And what I mean by this is, like, it is almost, in my opinion, 99% of the time a numbers game and 1% of the time unpredictability. And because the reason is, is, like, when you look at a stock chart, what you're seeing is what people believe at a certain moment in time and really that's human behavior and human behavior contrary to popular belief can be predicted are you always going to be 100% correct no but you can use these data points to basically predict will a stock go up or down based on past performance now there's I could even argue the opposite side and well you can't really predict because but for me what i think is is you know the the price is always telling you where it wants to go and i believe price is pathological and what i mean by that is is like i said it one it it shows its hand where it wants to go and um this is very different from what people believe about the market especially most retail traders or people that you know buy and hold forever okay and people that have made that popular like people like warren buffett um and i think it's a fallacy to really believe anything cnbc warren buffett because you don't have billions of dollars to buy and hold and you shouldn't compare yourself to people like that you should be more focused on intermediate term uh gains um so it's a numbers game for me 99% of the time. Interesting. Uh, so it being a numbers game and having the ability to kind of predict human behavior, that's kind of like how maybe at 6 p.m. every day, I know my stomach's going to probably say, hey, Leonard, you're going to need to use the uh, restroom. And then at maybe like 9 p.m. <laughs> every day, I might be watching the same TV show and um so, so you're saying that um, since the pe- people are like creatures of habit, you can kind of predict what happens on the uh, psychological side. And then because it's also a statistical game, um, it kind of works together. Exactly. Because human beings, so like in markets, I trade mostly like the futures market. Mm-hmm. So like if you're trading oil or corn or wheat, these tend to have a lot of seasonality in them because there's only so much wheat you can pull out of the ground and only at certain times there's only so much oil you can pull out of the ground and only well i guess you could do it all the time but there's only so much and so these markets exhibit like behavior like in price action where you can say hey on this specific day 60 percent of the time this is a down day meaning that price moves down or price moves up or price is neutral And you can take advantage of that and you can quantify that and you can say, yeah, um, you know, if I create a system based on this, then I could, you know, potentially make this amount of money going back 30, 40, 50 years just trading this one single day. Uh, So and that's just because, like I said, you know, people are creatures of habits and also nature kind of slows us down. The S&P, for example, which everyone talks about, most stocks that people trade it's like why are you guys trading stocks just trade the S&P because 75% of all stocks follow the S&P so you're not really getting diversification by buying all of these stocks most of these stocks have a high beta which means they're highly correlated to the S&P 
And uh, so you might as well just trade the S&P and not worry about trying to get diversification through different companies. And the S&P has a cycle of every four years. Why? Because presidential election cycles are every four years. So there's a behavior in the market to do something every four years because governments do ultimately or can ultimately influence policy, which can influence the market. So you can actually break out the S&P and say under which administrations like Democrats or Republicans is does the uh, S&P return the most on average. You can do data science like that and you'll find like there is there's an edge to that. There's a quantifiable way to break that up and say, you know, during under these different regimes, Democrat or, or Republican, that uh, the S&P or the stock market returns on average do this. Uh, so it's all human behavior. And when that human behavior shifts or policies shift, you will see that shift be reflected in the market. So sometimes you have to you do have to be aware of that, but most of the time people do something all the time like clockwork and creatures of habit for sure. So when we're thinking about what kind of goes into uh, the futures market, was there a reason why you chose that over like ETFs, over um, Forex, over regular stocks, over penny stocks, over blue chips? Um, what, what kind of led you down the path of choosing the um, features? Is it because of, like you mentioned, the corn and everything? or? Yeah, so the futures market is something that's not really marketed that well by the CBOE and the CME, which is really interesting. But the futures market allows you to get diversification through... Uh, different asset classes and the amount of capital required to trade these things are generally lower than let's say putting money behind a stock okay Mm -hmm. so for example i can build a strategy across the s&p gold uh wheat soybeans well actually i wouldn't do that i would do soybeans Gold, the S&P, light-free crude oil, natural gas, the euro, and the Japanese yen. All of those things exist in the the futures market. So I could build a strategy that trades all of those. And I'm reducing my risk because I'm trading across different asset classes. But I'm also keeping my return stable because I'm getting what we call non-correlated bets. Because if I'm buying in the Japanese yen, let's say I buy the Japanese yen and I buy the S&P at the same time, those two things aren't correlated to each other. So I'm decreasing my risk and I'm also the trades that I'm taking aren't the same trade. And so from a quantitative perspective, this is great because I can build uh, so I have systems, I name them, like one system that people can trade is the hive mind. It trades the S&P and it trades the, the 10-year note, which is like a bond. And so I can buy inside the S&P. There's six systems inside the S&P and four on the, the T-note market. And so if all six S&P algorithms buy, they actually have no correlation to each other, which is people don't understand that, but meaning that Every time I'm taking a bet, I'm trying to reduce my risk by taking a non-correlated bet across different markets. And then for the T-notes, they'll buy the T-notes as like a hedge to make sure like to protect, you know, collapse. So ultimately, it's more amenable to creating quantitative strategies because you get the benefit of being able to trade multiple markets and it's less capital intensive than buying something like an ETF, like SPY. You know, if you bought a thousand shares of SPY, SPY is trading at 200. That's a lot of capital outlay versus I can buy just one E-mini contract, which I only have to put up $6,000 for. And the net value changes $50 per point. So that's a lot less capital outlay I have to have. And I get a nice risk reward ratio and I get to diversify and I can automate across all of these different markets. So it's, in my opinion, futures are the best things to trade on on planet Earth versus trying to trade in the stock market world. Because remember what I said, if 75% of all stocks follow the S&P, why would you waste your time? And a lot of people believe like, oh, 
I'm buying Apple and Microsoft. Those two things are highly correlated, which means that if one goes down, it all goes down, right? Mm, You're not getting any diversification. People who give their money to portfolio managers, like most portfolio managers do not beat the S&P, okay? Mm. So the S&P returns 7% a year. Most managers can't even do that. And so because you're not getting diversification. So when the market goes down, everything you own goes down. If you want to get diversification you and you had a smart manager, he would trade futures. He would be long the index and long or short gold or silver, you know, and taking all of these uncorrelated bets across markets to reduce your risk as an individual and actually diversifying your portfolio. But you don't see that and nobody talks about that. So. Interesting. So, so when you say the uh, futures market isn't well marketed, do you think that might be intentional? Do you think it might be like the secret, um, like this like so-called <laughs> secret network that um, the wealthiest people in the world use, and they purposely don't market it because they want people to kind of be on the stock market? like playing against the S&P and not really winning and just losing a lot of money and the real money is kind of in the futures market? Do you think that might be what it is? Or So since we're on like a marketing kind of branding-ish show, uh, what they've done is, is they've demonized futures. And because back in the 80s and 90s, if you talk to anyone back then, they all traded futures. And if you talk, and if I talk to my aunt or my uncle or my dad, they all know someone that lost their money um, in the futures market. So it's become like stigmatized, and the CBOE and the CME don't really go out and get influencers like yourself or get marketing expertise uh, to push it to kids my generation, as well as you know saying, hey, here are all the benefits of trading futures versus trading stocks. There's even a tax benefit to trading futures that is better than trading stocks. So it's like, I don't know what's going on there, and I don't speculate that it's some kind of secret. I just think it's poor brand management overall. And that stigmatism from the 80s has just kind of like crippled everything else. But some of the most successful traders or people that win competitions are generally futures traders. Um, so I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I just think, you know, they need a marketing, they need influencers, they need people to like understand and promote the benefits. That's what I do. Like there's huge benefits to trading futures over stocks. Um, and then there's also a lot of people out there that are like, oh, you can't make money trading the S&P. It's like, okay, if that was true, then why is there $6 trillion moving in and out of this market every single day if no one's making money? Yeah. So I, I think when I kind of look at the stock market, like one of my biggest struggles is like, you know, I got to like work in things and the stock market's open at my time, maybe like 6 a.m. to like 1 p.m. or something. And um, I'm not going to get up that early for one. And two, the other side of it is I'm kind of at work. Does that futures market kind of have the same limitations or? Oh, yeah. So this is another benefit. Like the futures market, most futures are open 23 hours a day six days a week, meaning they open up on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and they close on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Some futures markets are only open like a couple hours, um, but some of the most liquid liquid like Japanese yen, E-mini S&P, Lysi crude oil, gold, they're open 23 hours, they close for one hour, and then they reopen. Cool. So, so like, so instead of like my normal like Netflix and chill hour, I could do like futures and chill. <laughs> yeah, but trading is not that easy. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay. The advantage the advantage of like what I do is is that once you build it, you test it and can trade it like or you can automate it like you just kind of have to monitor it, but it's not something you need to be staring at the screen every single day you know, trying to find a trade and trying to day trade. I mean, day trade is one of the most 
popular keywords mind out there, you know, on internet searches. And let me tell you something. If you think that you're going to make it as a day trader, you're kidding yourself. Okay. So it's just, you know, people want easy money and there's no such thing. Like everything I think takes work. And for me, I work, you know, four to five hours a day coming up with strategies to trade. Most of the time it doesn't work out. But, you know, you still have to put in the work. But once it's built and, you know, it's you can just automate it. So Cool. So basically what you did is you perfected a few um, algorithms. Then um, you spend the rest of your time, like, making new ones, trying to figure out if a new one will work. That's correct, yeah. Cool. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, I think not, not as fun as eating ice cream. Yeah, but it's just like, <laughs> but it's just like anything. You know, people see other people make money and they think like, oh, I can do that too. And it's like, well, it really does take work and effort, and you have to you have to like what you're doing or even love it. Um, not everyone is meant to be a trader. Uh, but people look to it as like some kind of get rich quick scheme. And that's that has a lot to do with the marketing that's out there for trading. A lot of it is like lifestyle marketing, BS, uh, you know, look at me in my Ferrari, all that shit. And, you know, it, it puts the idea in people's heads like, oh, I can do it. It's easy. And it's like, no, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. And if you do it, yes, you can do it, too. It's It's not impossible. But you need to have like a good mentor and you need to find, you know, you need to be kind of passionate about it, right? Like, what's the point of life if you go through it hating every single day of your life? So don't turn trading into that and just understand that not everyone is meant to be a trader, um, you know, because that's kind of the wrong mentality, I think. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, well, it seems like it's time for another commercial break. Um, where could people find you, Manny? TriforceTrader.com. Perfect. Then you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim online, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to The Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change can be a scary thing. It's way too easy to stay inside your comfort zone. But the world is changing. And that's not going to stop without adapting yourself to the rest of life is just selling yourself short. Join Sandra Hill every week for Grow Your Voice, Overcome Your Fears. You gain insight with expert guests, experiences, and tools to help you navigate the change and perhaps even welcome it. Listen live on Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. 
Hi everyone, welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with Maddie Owens, also known as Triforce. We've been talking about um, a lot of great things so far. In the beginning, we talked about Maddie's journey into the stock market. And um, next, we talked about uh, basically the futures market and how that really works and how it's better than anything else. And now, I think what some people here really want to know is how to actually make money. Can, can you help share some tips on how to actually make money? Let's say... I got a few grand, maybe 10, 20 or something. I go into the futures market and I want to make some money. What should yeah. I do? <laughs> so, yeah. So the first thing is, is like very clearly I'm not registered in any way. So I have to say this because it's a legal thing for me. Um, everything I say is basically for educational purposes before I give this advice and you can lose all of your money in trading. So, the thing is, is that if you want to trade and you want to make money, the first thing you should do is save up enough money to trade. Uh, there's nothing worse than being undercapitalized. So a lot of people want to just like trade right now. And it's like, well, you need to save, I would say, probably at least $10,000, bare minimum, ideally $50,000 um, in you know, to save money up for that. The second thing is, is that you should either, you know, start reading books about trading, um, listen to, you know, go on YouTube, see if you can find someone that you, you know, actually knows what they're talking about. But more importantly, I would say try to find a, a mentor, someone to teach you how to trade. Um, that's what I do. Like I have like a hundred hour, like training course of how to trade. And then the, the third thing is, is that, if you're serious about it, you don't want to waste your time with too many things that aren't important. And what I mean by that is, is learn the basics, but you need to come up with a strategy that you can put into a computer where you can find the statistical probabilities of you doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Okay, so um, that's really what you need to focus on. And then once you have a strategy like that, you've tested it, you've validated it, you've watched it trade in real time, then you may put real money behind it. So that's like the first tip, which is to really just have an edge, have a statistical edge. And then once you can do that, like the sky's the limit at that point. Um, and I know that sounds overtly simple or overly simple, but... Really, that's what trading, good trading comes down to. Um, and I always say that good trading is actually boring. So, um, and people don't like that because people are drawn to the market because it's exciting that they're losing money. And it's like, well, that's nice and all. Yeah, I, I, I love being evicted from home. I love coming in the dark. It's like the best thing ever. You, you, you're not stoked about that? <laughs> But that's what that's what honestly draws people is that gambler mentality of you know getting rich quick or they can make it on their own. And now some people they need to go through that process of getting smacked around by the market and bring you know brought to their knees before they actually like listen. Some people are unteachable, and what I mean by that is is that they must do it on their own. And they must fail on their own before they're ready to actually like listen or read or study. It's really interesting, but everyone is is different. But I've I've had students like that. They come to me, they're like, I lost all my money. I knew I wasn't supposed to do this, but you know, I had to. They they have to do it. It's like anyone that goes to a psychiatrist or a psychologist should also, you know, get their head examined. You know, it's because you're you're the problem. You should. Yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, is like you are the one that's giving the person the power, right? So if you, you know, if you think you need something or you think you need to go through something, then so you will need go to go do a brain scan. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I see a family therapist. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that if you think you need it, uh-huh. then you're the one that's giving it power. Oh, yeah. And and that and that's the most important thing. If you think you need steps in order to achieve something, then you need those steps. 
but don't get it twisted to where that's actually real. And that's, and that's really the divergence I have with a lot of people, which is, you know, you, everything in your life, you give it the power. So no matter what happens to you, how you react to it, that's your responsibility. Um, no matter, you know, if you feel like, hey, I need to be brought to my knees in the market in order for me to like learn something, then that's you causing that drama in your life. It's not the market imposing that on you. So it's just one of those things that I find that some people need that and that's fine. But ultimately, if you want to be a successful trader, you need to know the odds and the probability of every setup that you take and it needs to be coded and it needs to be tested and it needs to be validated. Um, one of my friends, his name is Dave Bergstrom. Um, he built a software called build alpha and build alpha embodies like what I believe about the market and what Dave believes about the market and is literally a program that builds strategies for people and helps them test it and helps them validate it. And the thing is, is like, even with all of that, People still deny, you know, oh, I don't need a system and I don't need, you know, probabilities. No matter how successful I am um, or no matter how many tools you give them, some people just need to be brought to their knees before they're teachable, I guess. Um, but really, if you want to be a good trader, you need to know, you need to have an edge and you need to know what is the odds of every single trade you take, period. So what's the best way to get this edge? Best way to get it is to test it. So, like, you can use Excel. Um, something you could say is, like, if today's open is greater than the cl- or the high of yesterday by 20%, then sell short, then buy. That's a simple code you can write, and you can test it and say, you could look at a back test, and you could say, okay, if I do this, this is how many trades it took. Uh, this is the probability of it working. This is the average money it makes, all that stuff. So you can use platforms like TradeStation, TradeStation does backtesting. Build Alpha does backtesting. Um, you know, I teach my students how to do backtests. Like, it's not, it's not hard. It's just you have to do it, and people don't want to do it because it takes the uh, the fun out of it. I think for a lot of people. So, well, I mean, most ways to make money aside from hitting up the casino is um, usually considered work so um I, I don't i don't know many people who really do consider their work to be super enjoyable so i mean it's a means to an end right <laughs> yeah but that's what I'm, that that to me is like um a horrible way to live i mean i worked since i was like 16 years old i worked as a dishwasher a waiter a busboy I worked in Germany as a translator. I mean, all of these things were a means to an end because in the background, I was always doing the thing that I wanted, right? So it it's not enjoyable to go through the grind, but I was working towards something that I liked. So every day I got home, I could do the thing that I wanted to do um, because in the future I said, hey, maybe this could pay off. But either way, I enjoyed the game. I enjoy the game of trading um, and I think it's important to find something you're passionate about and something as cliche as that may be and do it and something you're good at that people will pay you money to do. <laughs> so, well, you know, well, uh, I, I mean, you're, you really enjoy this quant trading stuff. So uh, I'm not sure why you call it boring if you enjoy it when other people. So, this is what I mean by that. What I mean is, is good trading is boring. What I mean is is that instead of me constantly looking at the screen and looking at my like profit and loss going up and down, up and down, up and down on the screen, and I'm getting excited and I'm sad and I'm excited and I'm sad, like I just let the trade work. And a lot of people, they don't trade like that. They're excited about being in the market, looking for a trade, watching their uh, P&L go up and down. So that's what I mean by boring. Okay, so you mean the average person who calls himself a day trader or actually acts upon it likes having nervous breakdowns all day and you don't like having nervous breakdowns. Exactly. (laughs) They enjoy Uh, the drama of it all, I guess. uh, Okay, well, I guess that really wouldn't be considered boring, but maybe more mentally 
stable, healthy. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of other words you can choose for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if boring is really the right one. So, I mean, if someone's really listening to this show and they're like, wow, this quant trading thing, it sounds amazing. Um, do they have to know how to code first before getting involved? Or um, I mean, not really. I actually teach my students how to code, too. So, like, my whole class that I have goes from, like, not knowing anything all the way up to... By the time you live, uh, leave there, you'll understand how to code, test, validate. You should have a really good understanding of market history, structure, fundamentals, technicals. Um, it comes with homework and everything. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop, if you will. But you still have to put in a lot of work. I mean, 100 hours is nothing to sneeze at. And you're probably going to be watching each video several times. So... So if I were to go in, um, sign up for your course right now, I pretty much have most of the things that I need that are going to build my foundation for me to become a successful quant trader. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Um, so, Maddie, if anyone here who's listening to the show wants to really go get involved into this quant trading and make potentially an extra six figures a year, if not more, um, how would they kind of go about that? Would they visit your website? Would they email you? Like, how, how should they kind of get more information? About yeah, you can go to my website. You can go on the shop page. There's something called Triforce Training. Um, or you can just email me, triforcetrader at gmail.com. Um, and I have most people that want to get involved in trading, like kind of email me their journey through trading. Um, because sometimes people come from different walks. They may have been trading for like a decade, not having success. So they don't really need to start at part one. They can just go to part two. So it's a case by case basis. Cool. And what was your website again? Triforcetrader.com. Perfect. And anyone who wants to pick up my book that's about to be out, go visit ditchtheact.com. Pick up 100,000 copies for yourself. And <laughs> <laughs> with the extra $100,000 you're making from quant trading, and just go give them out to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to do it, that's fine, but it would be really cool if you did. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was great having another episode over here of Grow Your Influence Tree. Everyone who tuned in, thank you so much for supporting the show, and we'll be seeing you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.